Welcome to Alex and Annie, the real women of vacation rentals. With more than 35 years combined industry experience, Alex Husner and Annie Holcomb have teamed up to connect the dots between inspiration and opportunity, seeking to find the one story, idea, strategy, or decision that led to their guest's big aha moment. Join them as they highlight the real stories behind the people and brands that have built vacation rentals into the $100 billion industry it is today. And now it's time to get real and have some fun with your hosts, Alex and Annie. Welcome to Alex and Annie, the real women of vacation rentals. I'm Alex. And I'm Annie. And we are joined today with Jen Ford, who is the previous chief commercial officer and CFO of Turnkey. Welcome to the show, Jen. Hi, thank you so much for having me. We're so excited to talk to you today and to learn a little bit more about um, your previous experience within the industry. And you've, you have a, a great background in a lot of other areas, too. Um, and Annie and I had the pleasure of getting to meet you and hear from you at the Women's Conference, which I swear we met so many people at that conference that that was just like the you know breeding ground for these great relationships. But um, could you tell our audience a little bit about uh, who you are and your experience within the industry? Yeah, absolutely. And I am still on a high from that conference, by the way. I right? left, left so <laughs> energized. It's just, uh, it was amazing. Kudos to Amy Hynot and her team. Um, yeah, so I'm Jen Ford. I most recently was Chief Commercial Officer and CFO at Turnkey Vacation Rentals. Um, but that wasn't where my career in Vacation Rentals started. I actually um, have been in the industry for about the last 10 years. And so I spent about five years uh, with HomeAway. I was part of their IPO team, worked there for several several years. And then um, after working there, moved over to Turnkey to help lead that uh, team and stayed on, um, was there during the process um, to be acquired by Vacasa and left shortly after. So I'm in transition now. That's super exciting to just all the pieces of the industry that you've touched. And I know that people are really curious to hear kind of your insight in not only um, you talked about it at the women's conference about leaning in and really taking charge of the relations with um, your investors when the when HomeOE went public. Um, but I'd love to hear about that and then go into the, the turnkey acquisition from uh, the Vacasa side. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I think you probably have to go a little bit further back in my career, right? I didn't necessarily set out to work in the industry. I feel really fortunate that I made my way there, but I actually spent the first 10 years of my career in high tech. And I had a lot of really great experiences doing things that were challenging and taking on new roles that were growing and stretching me. I actually worked um, internationally quite a bit and lived in both Europe and Singapore. So I had a lot of great experiences, but what I found was that I never really connected with the products that we were selling. Mm -hmm. I wasn't passionate about them. And so about 10 years into my career, I had the opportunity to join what was at the time a pretty small company called HomeAway. <laughs> and um, I had previously been working in semiconductors. And when I left that company, you know, I worked with a bunch of electrical engineers and I would say to them, all right, you guys read the Electrical Engineering Times on the weekend. I read People Magazine. This yeah. is not a fit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and so what HomeAway gave me was, you know, a lot of really smart people and challenging roles, just like some of my past experience. But it brought me into an industry that I really connected with and, um, and something that I loved. Um, you know, I grew up 
in Wisconsin in a, in a home with two working parents and four siblings. Uh, we were essentially free range kids. We spent a lot of time outside, um, kind of doing our own thing and fending for ourselves. And my parents worked just a lot. And the one time uh, they couldn't work was on vacation. They could not bring their work on vacation. And so my vacation memories are really, really special to me. There are these times, and because there were seven of us, we often stayed in homes. And so we, you know, we started using vacation rentals a long time ago. But there are these really special times where I had more time and attention from my parents than I did when I was at home. And so I feel really lucky to have found my way into the industry because I think helping other people create their memories of a lifetime is uh, it's a privilege and it's a really worthwhile reason to get out of bed every day and come to work and do your best work. So, so home away really um, was just an amazing fit for me from that sense, but also from a, you know, from the leaning in perspective, Annie, um, I took some roles there or what was actually offered roles. I didn't even necessarily see myself in the role, but the example I think I shared with you was that, um, I had been doing finance kind of for the first 10 years of my career and was mostly internally focused. So internal customers working with business partners, helping grow the business from an internal perspective. And I always knew the companies really well, um, but I never had an external facing role. And when I was at HomeAway, I was asked to, um, stand up the first, uh, investor relations department at the company. And of course, you know, I thought, wow, this is really exciting, but I didn't, I didn't really know anything about investor relations. I hadn't done it before. Um, but I, you know, when the CEO and the CFO asked me to do it, I thought there must be something that they see in me that I'm not seeing in myself right now. And I'm so very glad that I took that role because it was pivotal. I, I think it really changed the trajectory of my career. And, um, and I found out that, yes, it was very scary and I was quite uncomfortable for a period of time, but that's when you really grow. And that's when you come become a better version of yourself. And so I'm, I'm super grateful for the time there. And I also just had a lot of fun. It, it was a great group of people, lots of smart people who taught me to think differently or challenged my way of thinking. And again, those aren't always comfortable times, but we did do it, I think, with a sense of humor and had fun. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it made it a really great environment. And you know, I feel really fortunate to have had that opportunity. Um, I did actually leave after Expedia acquired HomeAway, and um, and I left the industry for a period of time. Um, you know, I I think sometimes the roles you don't take are as important as the roles you do take. And when I left um, HomeAway, I kind of had to make a decision about what sort of path I wanted to pursue at that time. And I really liked investor relations. It was so fun. I love talking about the industry, telling the story of the company, talking with really smart people who are asking great questions. Um, And and I liked the travel, actually. It It was really fun. But I also wondered if I would still like it as much in three years if I woke up and I was still doing the same thing. And so instead, I actually... Um, joined a company called Snap Kitchen, which is a healthy prepared food company. And the reason I took that role was because it was ahead of finance. And so I was going to be broadening my scope quite a bit and learning new things and being challenged in ways that I hadn't yet been challenged. And I think doing the thing that was less of a sure thing and, and less comfortable, again, is, is something that I think um, has been a really important key to my success in my career. I, I did take that role, which was somewhat uncomfortable because I was learning new things every day. I was out of my element, but I think it really set me up um, for success in the future. It's where I learned to be a CFO. 
And of course, as you know, I ended up at Turnkey shortly thereafter. And I think that without that interim step of working at Snap Kitchen, I probably wouldn't have been as good of a CFO um, at Turnkey. And I don't think I would have been able to take on broader responsibilities, which ultimately I did at Turnkey. And I think it was because I had that opportunity to learn. Uh, the other thing was it was a very complex business at Snap Kitchen. And as both of you know, vacation <laughs> rentals, it, it's a pretty tough business with a lot of touch points and a lot of moving parts. And so I think having worked in a really tough environment just before coming over, it also helped, I think, um, prepare me for you know the, some of the, the challenges that I would face. The Wild West you were about to enter? Working in property, <laughs> management, working yeah. in property management, which is really different yeah. from what home away is, right? Yeah. Um, home yeah. away is essentially, you know, digital commerce or at marketplace, right? right? And right. that that's very different than on the ground. You're making sure the houses are clean. You're yeah. taking all the reservations. You're doing all the pricing. It's a, it's a very different kind of business, even though it's in the same industry. And so I'm very grateful for that interim step um, before I came over to Turnkey. But I, I came to Turnkey in, um, 2017. Okay. Yeah. There's uh, several things you, you said, said there that just stood out to me. One of which is that, I mean, there's a disconnect with what you were selling. Right. But then with vacations, it is, I mean, we're all very lucky to be in an industry that it's, it's not the worst thing we could be out there marketing, right? Like it's just every day, you know, getting up. And I think we lose, we lose, uh, focus on, what what the purpose is of all of our jobs. And really that is, I mean, we're connecting families, we're connecting travelers with great places to stay. And when you get so tied up in your own role within a company, whether it's revenue management or marketing or accounting or whatever it is, you, it's easy to lose sight of, you know, what the bigger picture of, is of what you actually do. Right. I mean, it's vacations are not a super serious industry. <laughs> like, I mean, it's serious, but it's, it's a fun thing to come to work with every day. There's a lot of, you know, more, boring things we could all be selling. So at the end of the day, I think that's just something to to be grateful for. And I can only imagine that that, you know, helped propel you into that role in investor relations because you were passionate about, you know, what the company was. Um, but I, I am curious when you went to um, the healthy food company, how that was, because that, that's probably something also that is important to you, right? Um, so did you feel a connection with that or was it just not really there? I did. And I actually think, um, you know, I think this is a company that has the ability to really change the way people eat. And I think that's something our country needs. And so I, I did feel a connection. I understood it. I think one of the things that was a little bit different than, for example, when I joined Turnkey was I wasn't, I, I didn't have like the Rolodex, as I call it, of knowing all the players, the people, the, the investors, the analysts. And so I do think that that was something that I realized how valuable it was in not having it when I went to Snap Kitchen. But at the same time, I think I also was super proud of myself to be able to learn a new industry. I didn't know it. I, I yeah. hadn't worked in it before. And it was, like I said, it was quite complex because it was food manufacturing, distribution and retail, and it was omni-channel. Mm -hmm. So there was just a lot going on and a lot to learn. And I think um, it was a confidence builder that I could come up to speed and really understand it and make a positive impact. And so I think, you know, that, that was great. That said, um, I wouldn't say I, I was as passionate about it as I am about travel and vacation. I mean, you know, it's like my family's kind of first and foremost for me and boy, my travel and my vacations are sort of next on my list. Oh, absolutely. Really yeah. Important <laughs> to me. And, you know, and 
um, the people I worked with were really passionate about healthy food, which was amazing, but I'm not going to lie. I was, I was the person who was in the break room, like sneaking cheese. On the- <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm from Wisconsin. Okay? Yeah. 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 You know, I, I think, um, I take, I take healthy seriously, but only so far. Right. Yeah. My family's from Wisconsin too. So I completely understand that you have to have cheese every now and then you can't There's cut it never out. Enough cheese. <laughs> That's so crazy. So, um, when you got to turnkey, I mean, obviously you, like you said, this is a different type of business than what, what home away was. Did you find yourself feeling out of your element in that sense? Or did you feel like, okay, I'm, I'm in my element. I understand this business, but there's all this other other aspects of it that I can learn. And now you really just dove in and wanted to learn all of it. Yeah, I think, um, I know I definitely felt in my element for sure. And I really understood, um, the business and, you know, as we talked about, like, I believe in having that why, right. And so that desire to deliver really great vacations and help people make those memories really drives me. Um, and so I was very motivated to learn the business. I think there were probably just more moving parts and dependencies that I could have realized before I joined the company. And so there was a lot to learn, um, but I'm definitely like a hands-on type of learner. And so I really just dove right in and um, learned as much as I could and got to understand what all of those dependencies were. And so I think, you know, one of the things I was able to bring to the company and that I think is a reason that my role expanded later on was, you know, there's the CFO role, but a lot of what I did was kind of beyond that, or maybe not what you would normally see on paper. And that was really trying to take the strategy, the mission and the strategy of the company, and then turn it into a plan that could be operationalized so that every team understood what role they played in the company achieving its results. And then putting measurement behind it. I stood up the first business intelligence team at the company, um, which was something that was really fun and exciting to work on. And again, something that was new to me. Um, but it was really important for my mind to say, okay, where do we want to go now? What, what are the steps we need to take the plan? We need to have a place to get there. And now how do we measure to see how we're tracking to that plan? Um, that was something I learned very early in my career when I worked at Dell was uh, if you don't measure it, you can't manage it. And so I'm very big on having measurement, whether it's in your, your professional life or your personal life. Um, I think you've really got to be intellectually honest and measure how you're doing and assess it and then decide if you need to adjust. It's not meant to you know, say, oh, geez, you're doing really bad. It's meant to say, okay, we're not, we're doing really well over here. Let's do more of that. And over here, I see we're short. Do we understand why we're not coming in where we thought we, we would? What, what can we do differently? What are some ideas? Who do we need to bring together to collaborate on ways to change this? And so I think having that measurement is incredibly important. When, when you were at, well, I guess when you got to Turnkey, was it their intention that eventually they would sell or go public? Is that something that they were looking to do? Or did this whole situation just sort of present itself at the right time? Yeah, you know, that's funny because like any company I've ever worked at, I don't remember very many conversations at all about trying to optimize around a certain outcome. I've always worked places, and I believe that most people who start companies are do it this way too, is you know, they have like a really great idea or they think they can do it better than somebody else can do it. And so they build the company to, to create something that's truly great or solving a big problem, um, not necessarily to, to create an outcome like, uh, you know, a, an acquisition or an IPO. And the reason I, I think that that holds um, over the long run is that 
running a business is really, really hard. And I think you have to have more, you have to be in it for a lot more than just this outcome that may or may not happen. You don't know when it might happen. But I think if you focus on building a truly great business, then it opens up lots of options. Mm -hmm. And so I think we were always really focused on, you know, providing great service, building a great team, differentiating ourselves through things like technology. Um, And so those were the things that we focused on and what we talked about. And of course, growth was always um, a focus of ours as well. Um, And so I I think, you know, I, I look at it that way. And I would say that I found that to be true at other companies as well. I, I, you know, I know that it happens. I'm not saying that it's people don't purpose built a company for, you know, selling, but I mean, how long does that take? Does that take five years? Does it take 10 years? I mean, that's a long time to be focused on the end game rather than the journey you're on. And I think that there's a lot more value in focusing on the journey and really, you know, optimizing around that versus a specific outcome. Is, there's such a difference now too in our industry because it's like most companies, like the one that I work for, Condo World, and several others that have been, you know, legacy players in this business for so long. You know, they go back 30, 40, 50 years, and at that point, there was never the companies were not started with an end game in mind to sell out. So there's just so much now with the startup scene that. I had to say to a vendor the other day, you know, what, what is your exit plan and will you still be around? I mean, you, because I'm buying into this company and, and your service because of you, will you still be around in two years, three years? And in a lot of cases that can't be determined. <laughs> so, you know, I think a lot is just, a lot is really rapidly changing now. And, and it's um, for, for the, for the better. I mean, I think it's good for our industry to have, you know, a lot more innovation that's coming in, but it is, is changing things. What would you, I mean, looking at Turnkey's success over the years, what do you think was the main reason that they were able to scale to the size that they got to? Because I think that's just really impressive. I mean, you know, one of the largest managers, were they international or just in domestic? Just domestic. domestic yeah, but definitely one of the larger largest managers in the U.S. So how did, what was the main thing that they did right to do that? Well, I mean, I think, they did a lot of things right, to be yeah. honest. I mean, I think, you know, and I think we can never downplay that luck does come into it as well, right? I think it's, you know, I always say I can't just take credit for everything I've done. There's always a bit of luck in it. But I think that they built a really great team. And obviously that team changes over time. Um, but I think they had a lot of really great people at the right points in time to really help them build the right technology create the right structures um, and in terms of like operating um, excellence and, you know, even me coming in, right? Like companies don't hire me when they've just started I, that I, I, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a builder. I'm a scaler. Right. Yeah. So I think, you know, when, when, um, when John and TJ looked around and needed a CFO, I don't think that they would have called me four years earlier because it, I wouldn't have, been yeah. the right fit. And so I think, you know, I think that that's one of the things that they were really good at was looking around and bringing the right people in at the right time. Um, and, you know, during the time I was there, I uh, worked with them very closely to, um, to really work on, I think, creating opportunities for people to have careers, for people to do things that they hadn't done before, to be able to achieve new things. Uh, and so I think, you know, that makes people excited about the future and being able to buy into what the company is doing and being engaged and excited to help drive that forward. And so I think, 
you know, it a lot of times comes down to the people. And I think that was the case there. And I've got to give credit to, to John and TJ and all the investors that supported him too, right? Like it's a great group of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So do you think that there's going to be more turnkeys that are going to turn up, if you will, um, in the industry to get to that scale for someone to buy or acquire? I, I, I We look at, there's a couple of companies out there making big moves to buy and acquire um, management groups with, without in, within the US. And I think they'll probably venture out into you know, maybe the Caribbean and Mexico. But I think some of them have a mindset of, yes, they, they want to be able to sell or go public. That's just what their end game is. But I wonder how many of those large companies we are going to have, say, two years from now? Do you think there is a possibility of there being multiple turnkeys out there? Yeah, I do think, well, I mean, in terms of predictions, right, I, I think I think that there's a, if you look at, you know, even the large property managers, they still have a tiny share of the total just in the U.S. Uh, and so I think there's still a huge opportunity in terms of inventory growth. And I do think that there's going to be an emphasis on, on growth. Um, and I think there's also a lot of capital in the market right now. And so I think there's going to be companies who want to spend money and want to um, acquire or build their own version of, you know, the large property management company, the multi-destination property management company. And so I do think that we will see more, um, but I don't think that that's the only type of sort of growth or explosion in, um, in new companies that we're going to see. I think one of the things that's really interesting and one of the things that I saw at the, the Vacation Rental Women's Summit, which was exciting, was all these related businesses that are there to help professionalize property managers or to make things more efficient or you know, to, to help property managers focus on what they do best and then use vendors for some of the other things that have to happen to make a business um, scale. And so I think that that's really interesting too, because, you know, that capital that's flowing in, it doesn't have to just go to property managers. It's going to go to all different types of companies. And so I think you're going to see, um, both of those things happening in the coming years. Um, and I think it's great to see all the attention on vacation rentals. I personally feel like we're still kind of early stages, I mean, it's not like it's a new thing. It's obviously not new. We know that this has been on, going on for a long time, but I think, um, you know, I just, I think that there's still so much opportunity and so many more guests to bring in and to have them experience this way of traveling. And I, I think, I do think that the world, I, I don't think the world will stay exactly how it is today, but I do think the world has changed forever in terms of flexibility and the ability to do more remote working and to make your vacation last longer by working a few days from somewhere. And so I think this all lends itself really well to vacation rentals. And then to boot, you've got all these folks who bought second homes during the pandemic. I do think most of them are going to go back to work at least part-time at some point. And I think that that supply is going to um, come into the fold as well. And so, you know, I just, I see a lot of um, tailwinds for vacation rentals going forward. Yeah, I would I would agree with that wholeheartedly. And what we've been talking with other people that we've interviewed about the consolidation within the verticals, like you were just saying that 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 you know that's a really good thing for the industry, but it also can be a bad thing where if you consolidate too much and you start to lose the excitement around creating new technology because there's just so much sitting in one vertical that, that people are just 
they're overrun with information or they just don't know what to do with it. Um, so yeah, I, I do think that there's going to be more of it. And certainly it, it is exciting for what it's going to do for vacation rentals. And we joke about it all the time. We've been around forever, but it's just, it took the pandemic to really kind of give us the spotlight and the, the stage and the voice to get out there in front of everybody to say, Hey, we're here and we are going to make your memories spectacular. So join us. And so it's, it's really exciting to see where we go from here. Yeah. And I think, I mean, the major opportunity that everybody has at this point is to really hone in on brand because at the end of the day, I mean, this, this is a, an industry that was built on, you know, mom and pops, but yes, now the new wave of technology is coming in, but what we don't want to see happen. And we talk about this a lot on the podcast is that our inventory is just 100% associated as an Airbnb. And that has happened to a great extent, but where I see the, you know, the potential red flags with the consolidation is that, if you know everything ends up going under Vacasa's umbrella or a couple of the big ones, it really goes in that direction because those are companies that they're not pushing brand. I mean, they're not, they're certainly not to the extent that we do in our local markets. So, you know, that's that's a risk for the industry as we move forward, that that it just becomes so homogeneous across the board. But um, you know, I think for any property manager right now, the best thing they can focus on is their own brand and guest experience of why this is not just an Airbnb business. I know, Jen, when we had our pre-call, you said, you know, from the outside, it, it looks like it's an easy business, right? Like we talked about earlier, it's it's fun. It's a nice thing to sell. But my gosh, I mean, the complexities that are behind this are, you know, far more than most people would ever imagine. And it's because we're we're writing the the playbook as we go in a lot of cases, you know, and, in, in, um, you know, food distribution or manufacturing, a lot of these things, these industries that have been around and have had that technology backing and um, funding for, you know, significantly longer than vacation rentals have, it's it's a different um, atmosphere there. But I feel like, you know, the entrepreneurial side of vacation rentals is still developing in so many ways that it's, it's still a learn as you go type of business that, you know, really, I think the managers that are going to excel, they're going to focus on brand and guest experience and then processes. And through that, the professionalization that comes from processes to, you know, really streamline, um, you know, what that experience is for guests. Yeah. I think, you know, it's interesting because I think, um, when you think about consolidation, I, I don't think it's going to be everything gets consolidated under one. And yeah. if I compare to the hotel industry, for example, uh, my last big trip before the pandemic, um, I took my family to Poland and we did a mix. We stayed in hotels. We were not staying very long in each location we went to, but we did a mix of boutique hotels. And then we did like one or two Marriott type, you know, a big name hotel. And to me, like there's still a time when I want the name brand where I know really what I'm going to get. And then there's other times where I prefer the boutique, a little bit more local feeling, a little bit, you know, you more unique. Right. And so I think that, I think there's room for everyone in the vacation rental space. And this is where I always say it is important to know who you are and to know what it is that you offer and how you differentiate. That's very important where, and that's where brand comes in. Alex, I think is, is really being clear on what you offer and what that brand is. And so I think there's going to be room for everybody. Um, There are going to be some PMs who want to get out and they're happy for their company to be acquired, of course, but I think there's going to be people who want to stay fiercely independent. And I think that's okay too. I definitely think it can work. And so I think, what it comes down to is giving choice to the consumer. Right. You know, there, I think um, 
I think there are times where you don't want things and times when you want something different. It might may feel someone feel better to know the brand of, you know, that's over all the homes. But at the end of the day, we have a unique product, right? Like every home in itself is unique. When you look for a vacation rental, it's a different process than looking for a hotel. You're actually like looking at the bedding and the room configuration, and you're looking at things that are all kind of unique to that home. But I think if I, if I take a step back, you know, and it's not really about consolidation or being independent. And I just look what I think a big opportunity is. It, it, it does go to that professionalization or just certain standards, right? I feel like to bring more guests in who are used to staying in hotels, I think there are certain standards that can help elevate all vacation rentals, you know, and it's just things like um, the way you enter the home, the type of bedding you offer, the starter amenities around, you know, soaps and conditioners and all the little things, right? right? Like I do think if we can have some sort of like industry, industry standard where you know you're going to at least have this when you go, I think that would be beneficial for the industry. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I I would love to see everyone go to the full white comforter sheet set (laughs) on the beds like hotels have done, right? And I think that would be a great standardization that it's a big financial endeavor for companies to do that. And I know some some have been, especially with COVID, that from a sanitary standpoint, that is something that some are now um, pursuing. But it'll be interesting to see as years go on how many, uh, you know, move up to that. But yeah, I I think... um, at the end of the day, guests are going to book with brands and companies that they know and they like, right? And that's, you look at Marriott, I mean, they've added vacation rentals because they know they they don't have any, but they have an audience that is interested in them. Um, At Condo World, we've done the same thing. We have vacation rentals in North Myrtle Beach. We added a resort portfolio in Myrtle Beach and other areas because we knew we had guests that had demand for that type of product. But um, what, where do you see what what are your predictions for what's going to happen with the Marriott's and the Hilton's and the other hotel brands that haven't yet gotten into vacation rentals? What do you think is going to happen on that side of things? I think I'll be surprised if they don't get involved in some way. Yeah. Um, I think I just saw an article recently and I can't remember how many tens of thousands of properties Mar- Marriott now has, but it's obviously grown a lot in a short amount of time and they seem pretty bullish on it. Um, so I'll be surprised if um, if others don't get involved. That said, it feels like Marriott has been by far the most successful. So, you know, do they have a secret sauce or is somebody going to come up with a different way of, of approaching it and getting into the market? So that'll be interesting to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at, at Lexicon, we're working with Marriott to onboard properties now and, and they are being very aggressive. And you're right, they're being bullish about it. They I think they they recognize that, their Bonvoy membership is going to be their key to to really getting people to sign up and also stay. I think if they're going to get people who maybe were reticent to stay in vacation rentals will now give it a try because they can use their points. So I think that the other groups will get into it. This year is going to be a telling year, I think, for Marriott to see what they can really actually convert and put into vacation rentals that are on their platform versus a Marriott guest who's left Marriott to go stay with you know, XYZ company within a, a, within a community or like a condo world within a market. So it's really interesting to see what they're doing and they've been absolutely great to work with. And I think that the, the downside of it is when you have companies that are that large and their hotels 
and the standards are so easy that they think by giving their standards of hotels to vacation rentals, that that's going to be easy too. But, you know, to the point that everything is unique within vacation rentals, it's not, it's not as scalable as I think they thought it was going to be coming into the markets. Yeah. I mean, I think this is part of why it looks like it should be easy on the outside. Right. It's not actually easy. <laughs> yeah. Every yeah. single property is unique. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think this is where, I don't know what the standards should be in the industry, right? But that's right. kind of my point about, you know, when people book, I don't know about you, but still sometimes when I book a, a property for my family and I, there's still that pit in my stomach of like, is it going to be okay when we get there? And, right. you know, I think if the more we can lessen that feeling of of anxiety that sometimes it's, it's tiny, it's tiny, right? Like, a, you know, but there's still sometimes is that feeling. And yeah. so I think the more we can do to, build trust so that guests are super excited and blown away when they open that front door, I think the better. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think um, one of the things we talked about was um, having a guiding force to drive you forward. And I I don't remember, I don't think I wrote the the quote down correctly, but you talked about this going back to your home away days um, and things that just kind of drove you, moved you forward and, and helped you have, find that comfort to lean into scary situations. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. You know, I think um, w- when I look at what has, I feel differentiated my career, it has been my willingness to take on new roles or new challenges or projects that I don't know whether I'm not whether or not I'm going to be successful. I, I really don't know. But when I jump in, what I find is that these are the times that I have to stretch myself and grow. And so in the end, they're really the most rewarding and valuable experiences that I've had. Um, so I, I would say, you know, looking for things that are um, uncomfortable and and taking them on. And I know, you know, I think I think people say, well, I just don't know. I'm not comfortable with that. And I get it. It's not comfortable. You have to do things that scare you. Um, but I think, um, the more you're, you're able to live with that ambiguity of not knowing the better off you will be. I I think, you know, we did talk about the fact that change is the one thing we can count on is a constant. So we know things will change. And I, I think this is uh, the benefit of getting older and just having lived longer and experienced a lot of things. Yeah. But, you know, the reality is even when you make it to senior positions, it's not like, you know, all the answers you still don't know, but you're more comfortable with ambiguity and making a decision and not knowing whether or not it's going to work out. You're, and I think part of it is, yes, you have experience and wisdom and other experiences that you're drawing from but you also know that most of the time it works out. It it just does. And you might, it it might, you might make a wrong decision and have to pivot, but it finds a way to, to work out. And I think, you know, I think that's key to remember is you're not going to have all the answers. There's no hundred percent guarantee on anything. It's okay to make mistakes. Um, You learn from them, you move on, you adjust It's okay. And so I think, um, you know, I think especially for women who often want to be a hundred percent sure before they go do something, I really encourage them to do it when they're much less sure and to learn from those experiences and to be more sure the next time. And not because they are sure the answer is the right one, but because they feel comfortable that it's going to work out. Yeah. And I think you're so right on that. And 
that's such a uh, like connect the dots type of mindset that we've been noticing with all the guests that we've had recently, the women guests like yourself, we had Vered uh, Schwartz from Guesty on recently, Ali Calametti, and everybody's kind of saying that same thing. I think it's such an important message for, for women and, and men in the industry to understand is that, I mean, your life is about building up those confidence, creating situations that you can remember back on that, you know, if you're applying for a new job or taking on a role that you haven't previously done, think back to the last time you did something like that and it worked out and you made it through, right? So it's like you have this catalog of experiences that you can remember and recall to to catapult you further. But um, yeah, I, I think that's, that's just, it's a trend that we keep hearing and, and I, I love it. I think that's such a great message. And I think, you know, one of the other things is it might not work out how you thought it would work out. Right, right but it still worked out. You just learned something different or had a different outcome than you thought. Um, I mean, for example, going back to my own career, I thought I was going to go work at Snap Kitchen for a long time. I was really excited to work with a PE firm that uh, was invested in the company. Um, But actually I learned different things um, than what I thought I was going to learn. I thought it was really going to be about this new industry and relationships, but really what I was learning was Um, how to be a CFO, you know? And so then I was able to take that to my next role. So, you know, it it didn't work out exactly how I expected, but there was still a lot to learn and it was still a huge amount of growth, right? So I think part of it is just how we, what our mindset is about what that experience was and how worthwhile it it was to you. Yeah. And you you can teach skill, you can't teach will, right? At the end of the day. So, I mean, you might not have all the criteria that a job might have or, but you know, at the end of the day, it, it, no, nobody does. I mean, you don't, it's pretty rare that you're, and, and if you have all the criteria of the job that you're applying for a role that you're taking probably means that you're not reaching high enough. I mean, it's like, you have to kind of check yourself of there should be some things that you're not sure, sure of yet. Cause that, those are those moments of growth. Yeah, I think I mean everybody, like nobody knows it all on day one. So you're not alone in that. I think that's really important. So one of the things that helped me, so I, I'm a recovering perfectionist, I will admit that <laughs> in my household, I was like the kid who wanted harmony and I would, you know, I was always trying to get good grades and I would read books on the weekend and that, that was my my life. And I, I wanted everything to be perfect. And so Uh, that really didn't serve me well, and especially into adulthood. And one of the things that helped me change my mindset was a book, which is actually called Mindset. It's by Carol Dweck. I don't know if either of you have read it. It's actually actually a really skinny little book that's not Mm. that long, Um, but it talks about um, a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. And Mm -hmm. in a fixed mindset, people believe that... um, abilities are innate. You either have them or you don't. Whereas in a growth mindset, the focus is on developing your abilities. And so um, that book was hugely helpful for me and seeing the learned behaviors I had around thinking I had to be perfect. And if I wasn't perfect at something right away, I was never going to be good at it. And really changing my focus to that journey of getting better and improving myself and maybe never being the best, but, um, but growing. And, and so that book really helped me. And it it actually is really great for parenting and managing as well, because a lot of the same, um, philosophies apply to other circumstances. And so I, you know, that is, I think a book that I recommend everybody read because it, it really, I think helps you sometimes understand when you're getting stuck in a certain way of thinking. Yeah, absolutely. We'll definitely check that out. Thank you for (laughs) mentioning it. 
So the one thing that you said, I, I did write down that you, and I you just really summed it up nicely here, but that if you embrace change, more opportunities are going to come your way. Yeah. And Alex and I have found just with us putting the, putting it out there that we were even interested in doing a podcast, it opened up doors and conversations <laughs> and connections with people that we would never have had the opportunity to meet. So yeah. great opportunities. Some of them we turned down, some of them we've fully embraced, like the one that the women's conference. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I really, I really love that. And I think your story of just your trajectory, where you thought you were going to be and where you ended up, or it's so wonderful to see and that you've just, you embraced every little opportunity that came, that came your way. Um, but we're at kind of a wrapping up point, And I know we, we gave you a couple of questions that we like to ask our guests. And one of the ones um, that I, I wanted to ask was um, who is someone that you deeply admire and why? Yeah. So I think I admire a lot of people and I, I think I can find something to admire in almost anyone, but I would say one person I've admired for a long time is Sarah Blakely. So she is the founder of Spanx um, and she built an amazing company, which she actually bootstrapped. Yeah, her story um, is incredible. She has an incredible story. <laughs> yeah. And I would be lying if I didn't say that I have a couple of pairs of Spanx myself. <laughs> yeah, not, who doesn't? Not so much about her business. What I really admire about her, and this is from the perspective of someone, like I said, who really was focused on being perfect for a long, long time. She puts her failures out there. She is really encouraging. Um, and I think she learned it from her parents. Um, I did not learn to uh, fail from my parents. I, I learned that you needed to do things correctly. And so, um, and, and by the way, they're not bad people. It's just that they're doctors. And so with their work, if they screw up, it's right. Bad. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Right? <laughs> well, I never ha- did this, but she said her dad would come home every day and say, what'd you fail at today? And I thought, yeah. what a great question. Wow. Table. But what she does is literally like, Last week, she posted a video on Instagram where she had forgotten to cut the tag off of her snowsuit. So she was out skiing and like her sail tag is like flopping <laughs> in the breeze behind her. And she just posted it for everyone to see. Right. She was going to do a video recording and she put on a shirt or she grabbed a shirt. She got to the video recording, puts it on. Well, she last time she wore it was before the pandemic. She couldn't zip it. And so she wow. tapes herself walking around with like a gaping hole in the back of her shirt because she oh my gosh. And I, I just love that she puts those things out there because it's helped me to not take myself so seriously and not be focused on this idea of perfection. It's right. false. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, so I think. Um, like I said, I've done a lot of work to try to move my goal from that to more of the journey and the growth and just becoming a better version of me, whatever that looks like. And I think she's a great example of that. Yeah. I did see her recently post something about how she had gotten her um, vanity plates for her car and she thought it would be great to have spanks on the back of her car until people yeah. were like going, Oh, you like pulling up alongside her and saying, so you want me to spank you? Yeah. <laughs> She's yeah. like, probably wasn't the best marketing tool, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. you know, everybody makes, everybody makes mistakes. So um, what a great, yeah. I, I, I admire anybody that's willing to put their flaws out there. I mean, I think that that's, it humanizes the conversation. Yeah. One of the, one of the quotes I had written down from her was if you don't have a seat at the table, make one. I love that. Yeah, I love that one too. I've always kept with me that, you know, just cause you don't have it now doesn't mean that you won't, but show up every day and push yourself and get those opportunities and you will make a seat for yourself at the table and pull that seat all the way up. 
you know, I mean, lean into what the opportunities are. And it's the more you put yourself out there, like you said, the more opportunities are going to continue to come to you. But if you stay in the background and and constantly think that you don't have enough or you're not qualified to do something, none of those opportunities are going to be there. So yeah. One of the things I always tell my kids is that if you have 10 opportunities to ask a question and you don't take any of them, you don't look very smart hundred percent of the time. Yeah, exactly. Take 10 yeah. opportunities. And one time it's kind of a silly question. So you look super smart 90% of the time. That's yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. Right. Like if you don't, it's just, the, those are wasted opportunities. And I, I think go for it. it. It's, and it's okay to ask a silly question. You help somebody else in that room. I guarantee it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. 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 Yeah. So uh, my question for you, Jen, what, what's next on your agenda? I mean, what do you want to do with the next part of your career and, and what's on the horizon? Yeah, no, it's, it's a great question. And I mean, I feel fortunate that I'm in a position right now where I'm taking a break. I've actually taken life breaks twice before. Um, the first two times it took time off to travel when I had, uh, like work breaks and I highly recommend it. Um, it's really great time to re-energize and recharge and be excited about your next step in your career. But I would say, you know, at this point I'm, it's not, I'm not taking the time so much to travel. I'm really taking it to be very intentional about what I do next. Um, you know, I think I want to make sure that the next 20 years look how I want them to look and aren't just a continuation of the last 20 years. Not that the last 20 were bad. I just want to make sure I'm heading in the direction that I really want to. So I, um, I'm taking time to, um, really be intentional about writing down my values and what I want to do next professionally how I want to spend time with my family and making sure that they're a priority. Um, and and I'm, I'm, I'm actually, because I actually struggle a little bit with to come up with like the right framework to do these things. I am working with a life coach on that. Um, so I'm using resources to make sure that um, they are, I'm accountable to them in terms of the being intentional. But, you know, I think um, I, I hope that my next steps professionally include um taking my knowledge and helping other companies be successful. I was really energized at the women's conference, just talking to people who were starting companies or running companies. And I loved hearing about that. Um, So I hope that I can help in some sort of advisory or board capacity um, to some of those companies, because I'm really excited about what I see out there. And so that's something that's on my agenda. And of course, you know, I'm sure there'll be another full-time role for me sometime in the future, but um, hopefully not in the near term. Um, and, and again, I say that because I think I need this time to sort of reset and be intentional about where I go from here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, we hope that you find the perfect opportunity, but that we don't lose you as an industry, Absolutely, right? Because yeah. you're incredibly talented, um, you know, participant and, We just wish the best for you going forward. So thank you so much for being here with us today. We have enjoyed speaking with you and learning more about about you. And you're just such a positive force within within the industry, even though you're outside right now, you're on the sidelines, but we're excited to hopefully have you come back (laughs) on the front lines when you're when it's right. I hope so. Yeah, I I hope so. And thank both thanks to both of you for doing this. I think this is such a great way to educate people and um and expose new ideas in the industry. It's really great. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. What's We're the best way for, for um, our listeners to contact you? I think probably through LinkedIn. Okay. okay. Awesome. We'll include a link to your profile in the show notes. Um, Jen, again, thank you so much. We've truly enjoyed it. Best wishes for 2022. 
Yeah. Thank you, Jen. Awesome. Thanks, everybody. See you next time.